my family has always done big holidays. We invite a lot of people over for Thanksgiving, and growing up, we had a bunch of people over for Thanksgiving. When my brother got married, his wife's full family came over. Her grandma was from Italy, and the first Thanksgiving that she came over, she baked really great, and it was after dinner, and it was time to do the dishes. And so my dad started grabbing the dishes and washing them. And she's at the table sitting like this, and she looks over and just freezes. Then she takes her chair and scoots it over where he's, she's just watching him. And she goes, you live all of your life, and you think you see everything. <laughs> and then you see it, a man doing the dishes. And, and so every Thanksgiving that she would come over, it was like, I think it was one of the highlights of her year. She would come over, and she would, she would get a front row seat, and she would just watch my dad do the dishes. And we had like 30 people over, so it was a lot of dishes to do. And she would just sit there with a big grin, and every year she would say the same thing. You live all of your life, and you think you see everything. Then you see it, a man doing the dishes. It's amazing what catches people's attention. There's things in life, like if you have small kids, you, you get used to them getting your attention for something that really isn't that important. But it's important to them, so it's important to you. Hey, 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 Mom, look, look, look. There's these white flowers that you can blow. And because they're your kids, you're like, this is exciting. <laughs> this morning, I want to talk about some things that caught Jesus' attention. First, I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, for your truth, for your plan for our lives. When we say this morning, our hearts are open. Our hearts are open to your move. Move in our hearts, and we want to move your heart, Lord. Pray this in your mighty name, amen. There are several little people in Scripture that got Jesus' attention. Their names are not mentioned in the Bible, but I believe they are heroes in heaven. First one is the centurion. He came to Jesus and said, hey, I need... I need my, my child needs healed. And Jesus said, okay. And he said, well, I'm a man under authority to speak the words, and I know she will be well. So he said, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the words, and I know she'll be well. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said, truly, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. So there's the centurion. There's the woman with the issue of blood that's going through the crowd, and she shouldn't have even been in the crowd, according to Jewish law. But she's going through the crowd, and, and she thinks, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I know I would be healed. And, and so she goes through, and, and she gets the hem of his garment. And he turns around, and, he's, and says, who touched me? He was in a crowd, and 
a lot of people touched. And the disciples are like, there's a lot of people who touched you, Jesus. Like, if you, uh, if you don't want to be touched, you probably shouldn't be in public ministry. You shouldn't go around healing people. And he's like, who touched me? Because there was something in her touch that was different that caught his attention. And he turned to her, and, and that woman had been an outcast of society, and he said, your faith has made you well go. We don't know her name, uh, but I think she is a hero in heaven. And then last week I talked about this, but the thief on the cross, all of his life had lived in sin, said a few words to Jesus. Hey, please remember me. I deserve this. You don't. Please remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And the one I'm going to focus on today is the poor widow with two mites to her name. Before Jesus noticed her, he was talking about the scribes. He was in the temple and he started to talk about the scribes who were the religious leaders of that day. He talked about how they liked to get attention from other people. They wanted the seat of honor. They wanted to be respected. They wanted to be big in other people's eyes. And honestly, that, that was a, me a lot of my life. I used to want to be big in people's eyes. I had strong Christians that I looked up to, and I wanted to be the strong Christian that others looked up to. And, and honestly, I can still struggle with that sometimes. When you're preparing a sermon, you can get into, okay, okay, what, what do you want to speak, God? Or, I don't want to mess this up, God. I don't, I don't want to look stupid. With this sermon, with Pastor Bob needing to reschedule, it was something where last minute didn't have a lot of things. I was going to call up Sam because I was like, hey, I'd talk to Sam about, about preaching. If there was something that came up last minute, God said, no, I have something you want, I want you to do. And I'm like, but God, I don't have any time. You don't understand, God. Kind of like, hey, master of the universe, <laughs> creator, you don't understand. I don't, you, like, I, I need time to prepare a sermon because it needs to be well-crafted and needs to, needs to be where at the end people go, good job, Josh. He's like, I think we don't have the same vision. <laughs> I don't like showing need, insecurity, or weakness. I like sharing my struggles in a past tense to help other people. I, I struggled with that. Let me tell you how I got out of it. I want to have the most faith or look like I have the most faith. I want to be the most encouraging or look like I'm the most encouraging. Be the hardest worker. Be the most biblically literate. There was a time early on when I moved here that uh, when Pastor Dwayne was still pastor that Stacy went to a conference with several other people from the youth ministry. Pastor Dwayne was going to be out of town, so he wanted me to stay in, in town here. And so Stacy went down, and Stacy got blasted by God in amazing ways and just transformed to the point that on the way back, she would see flowers, and she would say, those colors are brighter. She would eat ice cream, and she'd be like, I the, it tastes better. Because when you experience the goodness of God, it makes everything else seem better. So, so she came home, and she was pumped, and she wanted to tell all that God had done and to share it with me. Because she loved me, and she assumed that I, I wanted it. 
But as she shared, I realized she had things that I didn't, and I didn't want to admit that. And so actually, I, I shut her down. It was evil and wrong. <laughs> but it was because it was more important to me to look big on the outside than to let God do the work on the inside. And thankfully, my, life, my wife is very patient and loving, and we've worked through the things with it. But we can be like the Laodicean church. It's one of the seven churches in Revelations. When, when Jesus gave John the vision of Revelation, he, in the first part of it, he, he talked about the seven churches and, and wrote letters to the seven churches. It's the only church that Jesus found nothing to commend in. All the other ones, there was, this is what I commend you for. This is what you need to work on. This is how I'm challenging you. With the Laodicean church, it was like, this is what you need to work on. This is how I'm challenging you. They, there was nothing to commend. Why? Let's, let's turn to Revelations 3, 14 through 22 to find out. It says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, Jesus. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. And I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness, may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove. And that word reprove means to expose. I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what does this tell us about the Laodicean church? They were lukewarm, but why were they lukewarm? It said, they said that they were rich, and that word means abounding with. It's like, they were like, we, we've got all we need. They said, I've, pro I've prospered. I have an abundance. And they said, I, I need nothing. So they were like, I have an abundance, and I am abundant. Abundant with things, and there's nothing I need. And they didn't realize that they were wretched. Paul in Romans 7.24 says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And there are people who don't realize their own wretchedness. They didn't, they didn't see their own sin. They didn't realize that they, they were pitiable, to be pitied, poor. And that word poor means one who crouches low, a beggar, 
So they were saying, I have all of, the, all of this abundance, but God was saying, you don't realize, actually, you don't have anything. And, and the only way you can get anything is by begging. They didn't realize they were blind and naked. So imagine a wretched, blind, naked beggar trying to look good. And that's what Jesus said of the Laodicean church. You are all these things, yet you, you say, hey, this is who I am. Laodicea was a commercial center, a site of thriving medical and textile industries. It was a big deal. And in 60 AD, it actually got damaged by an earthquake intensely. But the people of Laodicea, there was such a pride that they actually would not take imperial aid. They refused it because they said, we need nobody. And, and Jesus was saying, the church there, they were saying, he was saying, you've caught the spirit of your town. And you need to repent. And he said, be zealous and repent. And that word zealous means to, to burn. To go, okay, this is, this is something I, I need to go do. Just like with Laodicea, there are times God will allow a shaking in our life to show us where we truly are. So we can turn to him and to true riches. Because that was the thing with the Laodicean church. He's saying, like, hey, you think you're rich, but hey, repent and turn to me, and then you'll understand what true riches are. I don't want to be like the church of Laodicea. I don't think anyone here does. I don't want to seek to look good in the sight of man, but be a stench to Jesus, something he wants to vomit out. So back to the widow Jesus noticed. In Mark 12, 41 through 44, this is what he said. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor, that word poor is the same one that he used for the Laodicean church, a beggar. This isn't just a a widow that doesn't have a lot of money. This is a begging widow. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And those, what those were, were they were mites. And we know them as the widow's mites. If, so they were these tiny coins. And actually in the Greek, the Greek word for them, they ac- it actually meant lightest. Like because they were so small. And so this poor widow, she brings in these coins. And Jesus stops. He sees her. And it says, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. And that word abundance is the same from the Laod- that he said about the, that the Laodicean church thought of themselves. I have an abundance. But she, out of her poverty, out of her begging, has put in everything she had and all she had to, to live on. Jesus had nothing to commend the Laodicean church about. But when this poor widow, there were, so there were, there were rich people putting in sums of money. 
and that didn't move Jesus to bring his disciples over. But this poor widow comes in and probably despised by a lot of the people around there. And she goes, okay, this is, I, it's not much, but it's all I have. And she puts it in. And, and Jesus said, disciples, stop what you're doing. I want you to watch this woman. I want you to watch this hero of faith. And in our lives, we can think sometimes, like, I, I, I'm trying, but, like, I, I don't got much. But here, God, this is all I have to give. And there's other times we can, we can go, okay, man, I, am, I, I rocked it on worship today. I, I did this. I'm a great parent. And, and we can have this thing where we think we're great. But Jesus is like, are you? Are you really? But in the times where we feel the weakest, and we go, okay, I don't have much, but this is all I have. Jesus stopped and said, hey, look. Look at this hero. Jesus was not worried about how great it was. He looked at the heart. This woman gave her all. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. There's, there's a song, it's a 90s ska song by Five Iron Frenzy called Dandelions. And I want to read it because it has something that is, I think, really applicable to that. And I never thought I'd read a Five Iron Frenzy song on a Sunday morning. But <laughs> In a field of yellow flowers underneath the sun, bluest eyes that spark with lightning, boy with shoes undone. He is young, so full of hope, reveling in tiny dreams, filling up his arms with flowers, right forgiving any queen. Running to her, beaming bright while cradling his prize, a flickering of yellow light within his mother's eyes. She holds them to her heart, keeping them where they'll be safe, clasped within her very marrow, dandelions in a vase. She sees love where anyone else would see weeds. All hope is found. Here is everything he needs. Fathomless your endless mercy. Weight I could not lift. Where do I fit in this puzzle? What good are these gifts? Not a martyr or a saint. Scarcely can I struggle through. All that I have ever wanted was to give my best to you. Lord, search my heart. Create in me something clean. Dandelions, you see flowers in these weeds. Gently lifting hands to heaven, softened by the sweetest hush, a father sings over his children, loving them so very much. More than words could warrant, deeper than the darkest blue, more than sacrifice could merit, Lord, I give my heart to you. Lord, search my heart. Create in me something clean. Dandelions, you see flowers in these weeds. And a lot of times in our lives, we can be, we can go, okay, this isn't much, God, but this is all I have. And we see weeds, but he sees flowers. God is the God of the little. There's some of you that need to know that what you do moves God. I think sometimes the great things we do don't impress him as much as we think. It's the times where we feel like we've got nothing to give, but we still give. 
worship when you're feeling it versus when you come on Sunday morning and you're like, God, I, I feel dry, but you, you're singing from your heart. Bible study where you're getting massive revelation versus the nights where you're reading and you're like, God, are you speaking to me at all? Those powerful ministry times versus the times we trip over our words. The times we're overflowing with faith and the times where we're walking forward and we don't, we, we are holding on by one mustard seed of faith. Mike Bickle, who is the, the leader of IHOP, the is International House of Prayer, uh, Freedom Coaston is, is there now, powerful person in prayer, wrote this book, Growing in Prayer. If you want to learn how to grow in prayer, it's a great book. But I want to read a story from this book. This is Mike Bickle talking. In the summer of 1988, I had a life-changing encounter on a Saturday morning prayer meeting. I had been leading this prayer meeting each Saturday for nearly four years. We had about 20 people who regularly attended. One Saturday, I arrived around 15 minutes early. The only two cars already in the parking lot belonged to the young guys who were running the sound system. As I approached the door to enter the building, I heard music that was incredibly loud. It sounded like something from the Hallelujah Chorus in Handel's Messiah. It was glorious and beautiful and very loud. I thought, oh no, the sound techs are playing with the sound system and they will surely blow out the speakers by having the volume up so loud. I ran to open the door and asked them to turn the volume down. But when I opened the door, everything was quiet. I thought, what is going on? I hurried into the sanctuary and the only two guys there were not in the sound booth but rather at the front of the sanctuary praying together. I was perplexed and wondered, what was the hallelujah chorus type thing that I just heard at such loud volume? Then it dawned on me with a sense of awe that I had literally heard angelic choirs. I quickly assumed that the meeting was going to be the most powerful Saturday morning prayer meeting I had ever attended and that something special would happen. My anticipation was very high. Surely hearing the angelic voices was a sign that we were about to witness a dramatic breakthrough of God's presence. The prayer meeting began, and I thought at any moment the glory of God would manifest in an unusual way. But nothing of the sort happened. It was as run-of-the-mill as it was on many other Saturdays. Then I went up to pray on the microphone, as I did each Saturday morning, thinking that something powerful might happen, but I felt very dull as I prayed. I thought, what about the angelic choirs? Why did I hear them? I was perplexed. After the prayer meeting was over and everyone else had left the building, I sat quietly by myself for about 20 minutes and thought. Hearing that angelic choir was one of the strangest things that has ever happened to me. What did it mean? I prayed, Lord, I'm confused. Why didn't something dynamic happen today in the prayer meeting? I was trying to figure it out but could not come up with an answer. Then suddenly, the Lord gave me a very clear word. It came as an impression. The Holy Spirit said, this is what happens every time a few of my people gather to pray. I understood in that moment that angelic choirs rejoice every time God's people gather to pray, even in a small, seemingly uninspired 
or unanointed Saturday morning prayer meeting. Beloved, our private times of prayer and our public, our public prayer meetings may not move us, but they move the angels. And more importantly, they move the heart of God. Never measure your prayers by what you feel. When we pray in agreement with God's will, our weak prayers move the heart of God, even if they do not move ours. How many of you are thankful for that? In Acts 10.4, Cornelius, who was a centurion, uh, had been and was, was not born again, had gotten a group of people together and praying and asking God to move. He believed in God, but he didn't know much beyond that. And so this was not, they weren't even infilled with the Holy Spirit. So these, these prayer meetings were not anointed, were not, like it was just them going, God, we, we need you, we don't know. And this is how God responded. In Acts 10, 4, it says, your prayers and your alms, an angel came and said, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So the prayers of these few men seeking God said, God, God said, this is ascended to me, and actually it's going to be a memorial in heaven to be remembered forever. So the little things, those, those weak prayers, the dry prayers, the prayers that you pray and you go, okay, I don't know if there's any answer. I don't even know if I'm praying right. If you're praying in the will of God, God is going, hey, angels, look, look, look at Rod and Stacy. Look, they're, they're praying. So be encouraged. God is calling angels together to watch and cheer you on. You may feel weak. Jesus says to you what he said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And like Paul, we can respond, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So keep on praying, keep reading, keep loving, keep stepping out. God is the God of the little, and he is God of the two mites. Maybe it's volunteering in the nursery, singing Jesus loves you over the babies. For those who have been here a while, you know a woman named Wanda Guido Overton, a beautiful woman that had a lot of physical issues and anxiety issues. She faithfully went into the nursery and she prayed over our babies and, and, and sang, Jesus loves you. And at her memorial, it was one of the most beautiful memorials I have ever seen. There were kids coming up and saying, Wanda is my best friend. Wanda didn't have all these, she wasn't charismatic, she wasn't the uh, person that draws people to herself. What she had is she loved the babies, and, and she gave it all. And I believe when she got to heaven, there was a party. Jesus said, you take care of my kids, I'm going to take care of you. It might be starting a, a junior high band every week and working with uh, junior hires that don't know what they're doing and have small attention spans. 
and turning them from chaos into something that is, is beautiful. And that's Silas Kelty has been doing that. Might be there was, there was a mom who was in the midst of some really intense things in her own life. And she was here on a Sunday morning just to surrender God, all of that. And she looked over and there was a young college age guy. And in the midst of her, all the intensity of the things she was facing, she felt a small word for this college age guy. And it just was like, Jesus really loves who you are. And, and so she went over and she shared it. She didn't know that that same college age guy had met with me that week and talked about some extreme self-hatred and, and how much, and she didn't know that God used that in that person's life to, to go, okay, I, maybe I am important. Maybe the lies that, that I'm believing really are lies. All she knew is there was, there was this little word that God gave her. There are three times in my life I've prayed for healing a lot of times. We're called to, to heal the sick, and I've prayed for healing a lot of times. And there, there are three times in my life where I'm the one praying for somebody, and there is verifiable heal, healing that happens. There's other times where, like, you're praying for someone's headache to go away, and the headache goes away. And it's like, well, that could be a healing. That could be you drank some water and you're not dehydrated anymore. But three times that we're like, okay, outside, the only answer for this is there was a miracle. There, there were three times with it. All three times, I was in a place that this is how I prayed. I was like, God, I don't feel any really real faith right now. So you're just going to have to do this. And, the, and, and I, I prayed, and, and it, was, it felt like the least faith-filled prayer that I prayed. And those are the three times that God miraculously healed. Why? Because the other times I had faith in my own faith, not faith in Jesus. In that time I'd gotten to the end of myself and his powers made perfect in, in, in weakness. I got to the end of myself and said, okay, Jesus, I don't have the faith. You're going to have to do this. And he's like, you finally got the faith. What you had before was not faith, it was arrogance. So I want to speak to the people here that you look at other people, and it's like that, that widow, I, I imagine even the shame she maybe felt of, of going, because it said rich people were going up right before her, and, and it was obvious that they, they were making a big deal about their riches because Jesus could see and as she's waiting in line, I can just imagine her, like, God, I, I don't have that. But this, this is what I have. This is what I have. And she puts it, she puts it in. And she doesn't realize that, that Jesus and his disciples, and I believe the angels in heaven are, and, and God are going, greatness just happened. So there's some of you here that you look at your life and you look at other people and you go, man, I wish I could sing like Harvest. Or, man, I, I just show up. 
or I, I, I just do what I, I can. And I want, I want you to be encouraged that God is the God of the little. The things that we think are a big deal usually aren't that big of a deal to him. But it's the things. There's some of you here that, that even as we were singing worship, you're like, God, this is all I have. And you looked at other people and they're, man, I wish I had that relationship. And you're here with your head bowed and God's like, I like this. What does God want? He wants us to sacrifice. He wants, he wants us. And we get to a place where we go, I don't have much, God, but this is all I have. He says, okay, now let's go change the world. Let's do this. So I want to pray. I want to pray first that, and I want to check your, your heart of, are there areas in your life where you are the Laodicean church? There were things, even as I was doing the sermon, where it was like, ouch, God. Man, that's, as, as I was preparing, it was, man, God, I don't want that. Get that out of me. So if there's things, just right now, ask God, hey, God, are there places where I don't realize my, my own poverty, where I have a puffed up view of myself? And then just give those to him. You might say, I don't know how to. I've never done it. Just give God all you have with it. You're giving your, your two mites. God, Search our hearts. If there's anything in us that's blind to our need for you, show us that we can give it to you. The second group I want to talk to is the people that you look around and you look at what you have and you I don't really know if I'm making a difference. I don't even know. I, God, I'm, I'm giving my, my all, but it doesn't seem like much. And you're discouraged. I just want to tell you that, that God is proud. For the addict that is getting out of addictions, whatever that is, alcohol, drugs, pornography and you're like man I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm at the end but here I am God God's like I, thank you for those two months the person that deals with anxiety the person just feels like they don't measure up God God sees. He does not look on the outside. God, thank you that you are the God of the little. And today, I pray that people would be encouraged. Help us to continue to give. Even when we think we're giving big, 
it's, it's not as big as we think. But the time is where we give our all to say, hey, heaven is rejoicing. God, I pray that people would be encouraged and that we would walk in the steps of the hero of faith that you pointed out to us. Thank you and we praise you. We pray all this in your mighty name. Amen.